Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! And welcome to this new installment of Rated LGBT Radio. And yes, I am your host, Rob Watson. Um, We have a really, I think, wonderful show set up for you today. Um, It is with one of our favorite guests. Uh, He's been on before, Grayson Chance, um, who you may know from his fantastic music. Um, He has some really energetic, wonderful dance stuff out. He's He's had uh, ballads. It's just he's um, incredibly, incredibly talented. He comes from kind of a unique background. If you didn't know of Grace and Chance, then where were you? Um, uh, he was uh, kind of exposed onto the American scene in 2010 when, at an elementary school pageant, he uh, performed Lady Gaga's Paparazzi. Um, that went absolutely viral. Um, with with millions and millions of people watching it. He ended up on The Ellen Show. He got a record contract. Um, he did kind of a lot of pop stuff then. Kind of went went back, grew up a little bit more, then came out with some really excellent music, um, which we highlighted in our last podcast. And be sure to check that out as well. Um, you can look it in, into our archives and, and find that show there. Um, he's so engaging, wonderful, wonderful um, talent. Well, today he is not here as a singer per se, although I'm sure we'll ask him about that. But he is the star of a new film um, uh, called Maybelline Prince. It is based on the book of the same name. Uh, it is a novel that was written by uh, Danae Montague King, who is um, a pretty iconic in the skincare um, industry. Um, and uh, anyway, the, the book is based, like, uh, is based on his, uh, Montague King's relationship with Evelyn Williams, and um, who is behind or inspiration for a lot of the, the Maybelline family and, and the uh, uh, cosmetic line. So um, anyway, the the casting of Grayson is genius. If you saw Danae, you would see the likeness and the characteristics are perfect. And um, Grayson should be a phenomenal choice um, cast in this role. So we're excited to talk to him about that. Um, before we bring Grayson on, I do want to welcome uh, Brody Levesque to the show. Brody, as you may well know, is the uh, executive editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine and uh, producer and co-host of the show. Uh, welcome, Brody. Hey, Rob. Good afternoon uh, to our folks. Good morning or good day, depending upon where on the globe and what time you are listening to us. Um, I'm going to run down a couple of news stories, Rob, that I think are kind of important. Let's start with uh, Oklahoma City. The Republican-held majority Oklahoma Senate today enacted passage of several anti-LGBTQ bills, including this morning on a 37-7 to vote, 
Senate Bill 2, which would restrict transgender girls from playing on school sports teams that match their gender identity. That bill now heads to Republican Governor John Stitt's desk, where, if signed, it'll become the third anti-trans sports youth ban enacted into law this year alone. The other two bills, uh, Senate Bill 9, Senate Bill 11, are going to head to the Oklahoma House. These bills, one of them would ban materials about LGBTQ people and topics in classrooms. And then the second would restrict uh, gender-affirming documents to non-binary use in the state of Oklahoma. Oklahoma, unfortunately, has pretty much mirrored Texas, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, and Tennessee in terms of these transphobic and homophobic pieces of legislation. In the case of Oklahoma, Oklahoma's Governor John Stitt has made it no secret that he's not a fan of the LGBTQ community uh, and especially of the trans community. We fully expect the governor to sign Senate Bill 2 when it hits his desk. It should be on his desk by probably early next week. Uh, One state south, and we're back in Texas again. All right, this week in Austin, the school system there and the school district then um, went ahead and they held a Pride Week for their LGBT students. A parent apparently complained to the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, who sent on Tuesday a letter to the Austin Independent School District and its superintendent, Dr. Stephanie Elizabeth, that the Pride Week was breaking state law. Uh, According to Paxton, the curriculum and lesson plans, quote, deal head-on with sexual orientation and gender identity, topics that unmistakably constitute human sexuality instruction governed by state law. Paxton went further and basically said, no, 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 this is parents, not you, you're breaking the law. Now, in response, the superintendent, Dr. Elizabeth, tweeted back, and I'm going to give her credit for this one, I want all of our LGBTQIA plus students to know that we are proud of them and that we will protect them against political attack. Well, needless to say, that didn't sit well with the Attorney General, who responded with this tweet. Liberal school districts are aggressively pushing LGBTQ plus views on Texas kids all behind parents' backs. This is immoral and illegal. I will work with and for parents to hold deceptive sexual propagandists and predators accountable. And then he retweeted his letter. I'm going to just highlight this. He literally accused the LGBTQI community of being sexual propagandists and predators. He went there. Okay. Ugh. Now, He's got a track record anyway. I mean, he's the guy that offered the opinion that caused Texas Governor Greg Abbott to literally sick Child Protective Services on the parents of trans kids, calling it child abuse. And then earlier this week, Mr. Attorney General misgendered, not once, not twice, but three times, uh, the Assistant United States Health and Human Services Secretary, Dr. Rachel Levine, who is probably one of the most preeminent medical doctors, scholars, and pediatric surgeons in the United States. And why, do you ask? 
Well, because Dr. Levine is trans, and that is on the Attorney General's hit list. So there's your most recent news in the clueless category from the states of Oklahoma and Texas. Right. So how about some clueless news from the hearings of uh, Judge Jackson? Oh, yeah. Our oh, now, let's capital. continue. Yes. Um, the not-so-honorable senior senator from South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, lost his mind and lost his plot, along with his Republican colleagues, over Judge Jackson's record in sentencing while she was a U.S. District Court judge. Following guidelines and the way that Congress initiated the laws in terms of dealing with federal offenders of child pornography and handing down sentences. Graham got so angry, he actually walked out of the Senate hearing. Not once, not twice, but all three days. Okay. And he even got in a little bit of a tirade back and forth with the judge, who I will give credit to. Judge Jackson held her up. All right. Not right. only was he completely wrong, but it was a completely political ploy. But unfortunately, that didn't stop. Okay. During testimony, John Corwin of Texas, right, another Republican, went after okay, decisions coming off of the federal bench, which would include Ogerbefell, and he basically tried to get the judge back into a corner using a very homophobic point of view. And then his colleague from the great state of Tennessee, Marshall Blackburn, someone really ought to see if they can throw some water on her to see if witches melt. Anyway, the senior senator from Tennessee got all transphobic in her attack, again, on the judicial record and where the judge is at. So basically, the Republicans, instead of asking questions that were substantive to policy, substantive to rulings that would make a difference, for all Americans, decided to take their time and go after the LGBTQI community. Although Ted Cruz went one step further, he went after a children's book that had to do with race relations, the irony of which his ranting about the book turned it into a bestseller. So on the overnight, the publisher of that book is thanking Senator Cruz of Texas for it, dramatically right. their sales. Idiots. Well, I, um, yeah, no, I, I, yes, I, I, I watched these episodes and really am appalled. Uh, I mean, sickeningly appalled at the GOP. I mean, this is beyond. I, and my hope is that people in the media, um, Brody, your constituents out there, that they keep these records, and as the midterms take off, that they they remind the public of what the GOP is standing for these days. I mean, this is absolutely horrendous. It's bigoted. It's homophobic. It's transphobic. It is. Um, they're going after um, different groups of people with with full on attack. And that the um, that includes these don't say gay bills that are coming up in various states as well, which are um, people need to see what the ramifications of those bills are. They are absolutely oppressive and terrorizing 
to the LGBTQ students in those um, districts as well as the teachers. And, uh, and speaking as a gay parent, if, if we lived in that place where my kids were going to school and they could not even mention that they had two gay dads, forget it. This is appalling. And we're at a horrible place in history where these people are feeling so emboldened to be so public about it. And I hope the voters think about this during the midterms and I hope the media covers the hell out of it. There's my two cents. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's, I had a conversation uh, earlier today with the Trevor Project. Uh, the Trevor Project, of course, is the largest organization in the U.S. Uh, that works, quite frankly, its whole mission is to prevent LGBTQ youth from killing themselves. I mean, it's tragic that an organization like that even needs to exist. But every time that these laws get passed, like in Oklahoma, I will guarantee you, as I'm standing here talking to you, Rob, someplace in that state, an LGBTQIU, probably trans, okay, just killed themselves out of despair, out of a lack of hope, because the state Senate in Oklahoma and the state house in Oklahoma hates LGBTQI kids, all right? It's that simple. And the same holds true for Texas, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi, the list goes on. You know, at some point, people really truly need to understand that the entirety of the Republican platform in all of these state legislatures right now currently, especially the ones that are Republican-held, like Oklahoma and Texas, their mandate is not to govern. They can't do it. They're incapable of it. So what they do instead is they pick at what they see, okay, as the low-hanging, weakest fruit link, and that's our community, or it's the critical race theory slamming the black community, or they talk about the Latino community. It's supremacist, it's white nationalist, and it's rubbish, and people need to be aware of that. Anyway, I got one more thing. So for those of you out there that can hear the sound of my voice, all right, earlier this week, young Grayson Chance was blasting out pictures on his Instagram of an ice pack on his knee. Why, you ask? Well, actually, there's a good reason. Okay, young Grayson has been busting his butts because in 30 days from now, the young man is going to be running a half marathon in Salt Lake City for an incredible organization called Encircle Together. And I want you folks to Google them and go take a look. And then I want you to go to fundraise.org. I want you to find Grayson Fundraiser for Encircle. And I want you to donate the cost of a pizza. That's 20 bucks. Or how about two cups of coffee at Starbucks? That's like 10 bucks. But let's get behind Grayson. Let's do something with Encircle Together. This is a family therapy and after-school program for LGBTQ youth and their families. It is a critically needed component, especially now after the conversation you just heard me and Rob have. So go to fundraise.org, find Grayson, Encircle Together. Let's give Grayson some love. Thank God it's only a half marathon. He should make it. 
If not, you're going to be seeing a lot more pictures of ice pack on Grayson's knees. With that, Rob, I'll throw it back to you. All right. Well, let's let's go find Grayson ourselves. Uh, I think it's about time for that. So, um, yeah, like Hello. welcome to the show, How Grayson. How are you guys? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing so so well, and it's so good to be back with you again. And uh, Brody, thank you for mentioning the marathon. That's that's very very sweet. And and Encircle is a cause very near and dear to my heart and one of the only things that would get me up out of bed to even begin training for a half marathon so so thank you for that shout out not a problem you're welcome how's your name you know i'm i'm doing okay uh it has been i've i've been traveling a lot the past few few months and so i've been having to uh do my training in in different places and i was in tennessee um, last week in Nashville, and it's just a lot of rolling hills in Tennessee, and I think uh, it impacted my legs a bit, but we're doing okay. I keep ice on it pretty regularly on off days, and so we're we're getting through it, but yeah, we're, we're 30 days out from this, and this will be my first ever uh, half marathon or doing anything remotely uh, like this. That, that's awesome. I, I did a, a half marathon many years ago, um, and it was my last. Because <laughs> I know if you're not used to marathons and you do one, that it, it is intense. But the the cause is super cool, and you know just kudos. Well, kudos for everything you do. I mean, you are such a great um, role model for so many of the the people we were talking about. I mean, you give them hope um, while they're getting beat up in the political arena. Um, you know, turning to you and your experience and your music is is certainly an inspiration and hits um, young people where they live. Um, last we talked, well, you were you. about to go on tour with Hellboy. How how did the tour go? Uh, you know, we we got through um, a lot of sort of COVID drama um, last year, but it was it was so nice to be able to play um, some shows again last year and and to just sort of get back into the rhythm of it all. Um, and so you know, right now I'm. Uh, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, I've just wrapped up my first um, feature film debut of shooting that, and um, I'm also just about to wrap up a brand new album. So it's going to be a very, very busy uh, 2022 for us, and, and just looking forward to getting back out on the road and, and seeing uh, all the faces across the across the states wherever we can. Oh, no, that's excellent, and I cannot wait for both the things you mentioned: your new music because I, I love your stuff, and um, the film, which sounds absolutely fantastic. Um, so oh, how, how, did, how did that happen? I mean, you're out there making this new music. How did you um, come into this film? Which, by the way, I still stand by it. I think the casting of you in this role looks genius. So um, oh. kudos to the creative minds behind that. But how did it happen? Thank you. Well, contrary to uh, maybe popular belief, I, I had truly no intention um, or no predisposed plans of ever wanting to make a jump into acting. You know, I have solely been a musician for um, 12 years now, ever since I was a kid. And, and it was something that I had, I had had some horror stories when I was younger of, of doing some TV um, gigs when I was a teenager and I said, you know, I am not good at that. <laughs> that is not 
that is not my strong suit. Um, I was never, uh, I thought I was never meant to be uh, one in front of the camera, at least acting. And so when this script came across, um, I, I remember being pretty um, standoffish towards it. I, I remember telling my team, hey, this, you know, seems great, but something that I don't want to be, you know, a part of. And as I began to read it, um, I was so drawn in to the character. And then all of a sudden, these gears kind of started turning in in my head. And I said, you know, this this could be interesting. And so it all started with um, feeling such a connection uh, to Danae King and, you know, his story and the story of how he launched his own cosmetics brand and the tie-in with Maybelline. And, and so I'm very excited for people to see it. It's, it is quite... It is one of those stories where it almost seems a little too uh, too bizarre to be true, and I think that was one of the reasons uh, why I was so uh, drawn into it as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's super unique, and um, you know, it's, I mean, I would differ from your perception of yourself in terms of acting, though, because with your music videos, those are in your face. I mean, you can't fake those. I mean, you have a lot of emotions, and, and I mean, I would argue that that is almost a tougher uh, way to act than a lot of the, you know, scripted in front of camera type stuff. So I think you've, you've earned your chops in terms of, of demonstrating your acting talent. Um, but um, talk to us a little bit about the film. I, I understand that you actually went and hung out with Dene for – a long period of time, and which is really a trip when you're going to play somebody in a movie and then to actually be around them. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, well, uh, one of the first things that seemed a little symbiotic to me is the movie takes place in Arkansas in the 1970s. Um, and so when I, when I read the script originally, I'm, I'm from Oklahoma, and uh, still live here to this day. I know we were talking a lot about Oklahoma in the beginning part of the show. Right. Um, but when I when I read the script and uh, knew that it was, you know, him being an openly gay character in Arkansas in the 1970s, um, that was so interesting to me. And the bravery that, you know, he must have had um, to be himself in a time like that in the town where he was at. Um, that was all very, uh, very, very interesting to me, and I wanted to learn more about it. And so after auditioning and getting getting the part, I, um, you know, sort of applied so much of what I've learned as a musician, which is, you know, you have to study, you have to train for things, you have to rehearse, you have to really throw yourself into something uh, if you want to do it 100%. And so I watched every YouTube video I could find of Danae. I, I read articles that he wrote. I watched webinars. I, I did everything that I could, um, you know, pre-meeting him that felt, felt adequate. And then him and I sat down for, I think we had two dinners together, probably each lasting, you know, three or four hours. And um, I just came in with a ton of questions. You know, I really wanted to, to know him, and I really wanted to understand not only who he is now, but who he was um, back in back in those days. And you know, it's it's a little daunting for when you're when you're playing somebody who is who is still alive and um, who's still here. You wanna you wanna do that part justice, you know. So I really, really just tried to study as much as I could and and tried to mirror him. And and by the end of shooting the film, I felt like 
uh, I was almost becoming a little too much like him. <laughs> I, had to, I had to come back to Oklahoma and, and find myself at the end of all this. Oh, that, that's that's um, an interesting uh, challenge, you know, when, when you're finding yourself too much. What did he say to you about you playing him? Did he, did he comment on that directly? Um, I think he was, uh, he's a very forward person, and I think he was very skeptical of me at first, um, <laughs> which... Uh, you know, being in his shoes, I would have been skeptical of me as well. Um, I think in, in the same way that I was asking him questions, I think he was sort of feeling me out. Um, but by the end of it, when, you know, when we were wrapping up our, our conversations and we knew we were going to be going into production, soon, he looked at me and he said, there's no difference between what you're going to be doing the next two months um, based off of what you've been doing your entire life. And he said, you're a performer. And he said, I've been performing for every one of my 74 years. Um, and so mm-hmm. he said, you just need to go out on, onto that set and you need to perform. And I really, I took that to heart. Um, and, and so every day I would wake up and, and I would sort of step into the outfit and I would think about him and I would think about, you know, what my character was doing in any given moment. And, um, and that's, that's where we went for it. But this, this idea of, okay, it's, it's time to wake up and perform. That's what, that's what he really, really gave me, I think, at the beginning parts of the process. Yeah. Well, that, uh, his personality is, is very large and, I, I think it actually is really inspiring that you were around the real man. And um, because I think that's one of the challenges with a lot of actors who go into playing a role. And especially when it's somebody who they've seen in films or, or around, they tend to play just the, the quick, um, almost caricature version. But when you hang out with the yeah. real person, then it's, you, you get so much more dynamics to it. Grayson, can you tell us a little bit about the plot? I mean, it's a book that's out there, so people can go um, read it. Um, well, actually, I have a, another question before you tell us the plot. Um, the book is, is characterized as a novel. So how much of it is true history and how much of it is fictionalized? I I think a good majority of it is um, is based off of the truth. I think the major major points and the major major sort of character developments. Uh, there's also a death in the movie that is obviously based in very very real life. Um, and so right. I think if if there are any sort of extravagant um, parts within within the book, you know that I think was Danae being a performer, <laughs> if you will, um, which she's so good at. But um, the plot of this movie is is very much so about the relationship between uh, Danae Montague King, who I play, um, and a woman named Evelyn Williams. And Evelyn Williams was an heiress of the Maybelline family. She was um, very, very close to your friends with Tom Lyle, who was the founder of Maybelline. That was her brother-in-law. And they essentially started um, Maybelline together and, and rose it to the prominence where it was at. And Evelyn was a very uh, idiosyncratic personality. She was a little crazy towards the later years of her life. And this is about um, her going through a a divorce in Arkansas um, and kind of 
coming out coming out of that divorce feeling a need to uh, reliberate her life and so she enlists Danae um, and me and her truly go through this Arkansas town and and paint it in all sorts of colors and do uh, remarkably crazy things and and the movie has a lot of twists and turns within this plot line um, and that was one of the things that really drew me to it as well was as a film fan you know I, I like I like things to be entertaining. I love to watch a movie to escape reality a bit. Um, and in this case, it is a very, very unique and bizarre story. Yeah, it's, I, I cannot wait. I literally am chomping at the bit to, to see that. Um, the relationship, you know, and, and again, I haven't seen the movie, which obviously I would answer this myself, but um, the relationship seems emblematic of relationships we've seen in different like reality TV shows where like the real housewives shows where a lot of the real housewives have this very close, um, uh, friend who is, um, is gay. Um, you know, can you talk to that kind of relationship and how, why, what, what do you think the dynamic is between that of these these um, powerful women who then connect very strongly with an artistic gay man as as such a close friend, and why the bond becomes so close? Yeah, well, I think you know she was in the later um, chapters of her life, and I think she had always been. Um, I think she had been sort of shoved aside by the men in her life. And I think she was looking for someone to raise her up. And she was looking for someone to truly um, show her what true friendship was and what true loyalty was. And so uh, in that way, you know, of course a gay man is going to fill <laughs> fill that void for you after you've been burned by, um, by so many men in the past. And so they had a very... Um, it was in in many ways, I think, sort of like a maternal relationship, right? I think he looked up to her as this massive business um, tycoon, you know, this woman that started the Maybelline brand. And, you know, he was, he in, in his own right, he's an incredible scientist, um, Danae Montague King. All of his skincare is using um, natural formulated um, patents that he has designed and, and curated over the years. And so he was looking to step into this game and, you know, he, he found this woman and, and I think they just hit it off immediately. And so I think they were both each other's cheerleaders in in such different ways. Um, but, you know, I, I think the thing too to recognize is it was in the seventies. So she, I, I would imagine also felt the need to protect him. Um, and, and she did that very, very confidently with, with a lot of money, a lot of glitz and glamour around him, always making sure that he was going to be safe. That's, that's really cool. And although, you know, it's funny how, I mean, with the conversation we had at the beginning of the show, you know, the, the seventies attitudes are not gone. Um, they're, they are, they are a little more siloed into certain, um, areas and and not as pervasive because everybody in the 70s was um, like the the GOP attitudes of today. Um, but um, yeah, so it's I think I think seeing that um, and that progress as a juxtaposition when the film comes out will be 
kind of interesting to to look at. Um, so the film was uh, written by um, Jacob Johnson, and it is directed by Seth Harden. Had you known these gentlemen before um, the production, or you were you were sent the script and met them, you know, um, at that point? Um, I had been good friends with uh, the film's director um, for a few months before for production, and we actually met um, on a project completely non-related to the movie. So there was a level of trust that was established, and and for me too, it was important that you know I felt like I was protected on set, and that you know stepping into this as as my first ever movie, um, I wanted to make sure that someone was was watching my back, right? And or had my back at least, and right. It was just a loving, uh, a loving crew and team that you know we worked on this movie through the peak of Omicron, which was super stressful and and in certain points you know a little scary, and and we all stayed within a bubble for for two months working on this movie, and so um, it it was absolutely a labor of love, and you know also Danae was on set a lot. Um, and he was wrecking havoc in the makeup and hair trailer going, no, 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 we need to change this wig. He was would bring his own curling irons, and he'd bring his own hairpins. It was like the wrath of Danae sometimes uh, on set. So it was just, it was, it was beautiful to see, um, you know, this man's life um, and this story being told and, and having him there. It was, it was truly a dream come true. I mean, I'm an interject. I've seen Harvey. I've seen behind-the-scenes stuff of Harvey Fierstein when he's doing his thing. Grayson's description just basically matched what I've witnessed Harvey do, so I can imagine how entertaining that probably was. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it was always an entertaining moment when he was on set. Well, one thing I do want to point out, just a little side note, uh, thing, speaking of a Harvey, not a Fierstein, but um, – Harvey Milk Foundation, um, when uh, he put out the book, uh, Danae donated all the proceeds from the book to the Harvey Milk uh, Foundation. So there's, there's a really good altruistic heart behind him as well. Um, so, yeah, and, uh, and to mention as well, the, the foundation is um, actually an active producer um, on this movie as well. So um, they were very, very involved, and, and Danae remains, I believe, on their board. Um, of directors at the Harvey Milk Foundation. And so they were also very, very heavy-handed in this film um, as well, which was something that um, was very, very important to me too. Yeah. So uh, I understand that, uh, well, in the, in the film, uh, obviously your, your main person that you're going to be reacting and, and interacting with um, is the, um, the character of Evelyn, played by Robin Cruz. How did you and Robin develop your your on-screen personas? Yeah, well, Robin has an amazing uh, story. She's an Australian actress, and, you know, coming into this, I was very, very nervous to meet her, um, not only because, you know, I knew that we were going to be spending so much time together and developing these characters together, but she was also, she's um, a theater-trained actress. She she really knows what she's doing. <laughs> so in the back of my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to walk in and she's going to go, all right, here's this kid who has Instagram followers, LOL. Let's see, let's see what he can do, right? 
And she was such a mentor um, for me on this movie. And we would meet up with each other and we would run through lines. And what was so cool of working with someone at her caliber was she was really interested in what I thought of her performance sometimes. She would she would say, you know, what do you, what did you think of my delivery there? And, and is there a way to change it? And, and we just, we workshopped so much um, together and, and she became my best friend um, on set. And, you know, it, it is such a weird thing of when you're shooting something for, you know, two months and you're waking up at 4 a.m. literally every day to get up in hair and makeup and, and to start shooting by 8 um, you you become so close to these people. And so um, I had a, a very nice, tearful goodbye um, with her on our last day of set, but she will remain um, a friend for the rest of my life. That's awesome. And that also, I'm sure, is going to read through the relationship on screen. Um, that's that's a very, very cool. Um, Grayson, tell us about where the film is right now. When is it going to hit, and how will people find it? Yes, well, right now they're uh, they're in post production, um, and so we are talking probably a little a little early. But you know, when when this came across my uh, my desk, I said, "Well, I, I have to talk to my two favorite people again." Um, so we're <laughs> we're in the early stage um, process of it, and it should be available for streaming um, this year. But there's there's probably a few things that I'm not allowed to talk about, but it, it will be coming out this okay. year. Okay, that's great because when I read about what the production was, and especially I don't know why, but it, it, like seeing you in some of your um, still shots from the different music videos. And then seeing shots of uh, Dene, it was like, oh, my God, this is perfect. And, and, I mean, you know, I'm sure you're not thinking about this, but I'm already thinking next year's Academy Awards. And, you know, it's like, it's, um, <laughs> hey, I mean, it's just definitely... my first movie. We're, we're taking things a little slow. <laughs> okay, well, I can be like your, your uncle. It's like... Rudy, <laughs> he's going to get an Oscar for this. Um, anyway, I'll take uh, it. I'll take it. <laughs> okay, great. It, no, it looks super, super exciting. Um, I, I think the story sounds fantastic. I, I'm just super, super hopeful that this is is going to be super big and, and well received. Um, and we will definitely highlight where and when, when as soon as we get that information. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit. What is going on with the new music? Well, on the, on my, uh, on the flip side of things, uh, while we were shooting the movie, I was also uh, working uh, in the studio on a brand new album. And I'm very, very excited to report that that will be coming out um, later this summer as well. Um, we're just about to get into the cycle with it. And so this will be, I believe, my fourth LP now. Um, to date, and I am very excited for this upcoming body of work because I think it's a lot different um, than than how I've been presented in the past. And uh, this this next album is is a little more true to form. It's a little more rock leaning, which I'm very excited about. And um, I wrote and uh, produced it with a close collaborator named Jason Reeves, and him and I sort of hold up in a in a house in outside of Nashville for a few months and, and we worked on this. And so 
I'm I'm very, very, very excited, and I think it will be probably one of my favorite things I've uh, ever put out into the world. That's that's so cool. Now, a lot of your music is very reflective of relationships. Is this going to be like that, or are you are you topicing differently? Um, I think this one is a little more it's a little more retrospective. I. You know, I'm 24 years old, uh, which I realize is still uh, still very young. But this this past year came with a lot of uh, self reflection of, of sort of waking up in the morning and going, okay, you know, you are an, you are fully an adult now. You know, and uh, this is what you have to do now is you know decide what you want your life to look like, how you want it to look like, um, and just feeling a little bit more. Uh, more set into to who I am, and I wrote a lot about that extensively on this album. Um, I was also very inspired by, um, you know, I used to when I was in college, I um, I studied um, ancient Greek, and you know, I there were a few different mythological stories that were very present on my mind when we were writing that I wrote about as well. Um, and then, of course, you know, as as the as the proud gay I am, yeah, there's there's some relationship drama on this record, of course. <laughs> you, you have to have a little. Um, so it's it's truly, you know, I've always told my fans this, but if if you want to know what has happened in in my life the the past year in writing this album, you can put that record on, and it's it's all there. Hey, if Taylor Swift can do it and Katy Perry can do it. Grayson Chance can do it. That's you know, one hundred percent. I agree. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just I had a visual being integrated in. Go ahead. I just had I just had a visual of Grayson sitting next to Carrie, okay, in you know the Katie and the American Idol judges chair. I just was like, oh no, here we go. <laughs> He's gonna be judging American <laughs> Idol next. Sorry. Well, hey, that's, um, that's a that's a good paying gig. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're you're friends with Ariana Grande as well, right? And she just did the voice. She did, yes. Yeah. So that so yeah, I I could definitely see you in one of those chairs of of one of those type shows. That's you know the, that's one of my pet addictions is watching. Um, Although I have to say I'm a little more sorry, Katie. I'm a little more the voice than I am um, American Idol these days. But uh, what, what, Grayson? What is your advice to somebody who is up and coming and has aspirations um, on on breaking in? Because it's it's got to be tough right now with the changes of the music industry itself, uh, especially in COVID and all that. So, what is your big brother? advice out there to somebody who is up and coming? Well, you know, I think right now it's, it's as you mentioned, you know, the landscape is, is, you know, forever changing. Uh, you know, when I, when I was discovered um, now 12 years ago, you know, I was sort of the first, uh, one of the first big moments of YouTube, right. Where, you know, an right. artist was discovered right. on YouTube and now you're seeing TikTok have such um a massive influence on, you know, how music is found and how artists are, are found and, and, you know, what can happen after that. My advice though, I think to, to younger artists right now, and, you know, there's, there's artists in particular that I've had conversations with recently um, to, you know, where I'll say, what have, what have you been working on? And 
all they want to tell me is about um, the social media strategy. They want to tell me about, you know, what they're planning for TikTok and how they're going to do this and how they're going to use this sound. And my advice to someone younger coming up right now is, you know, all of that is important, of course, and it's an amazing way to get your voice out there and to connect with people who are listening to, to your music. But at the end of the day, if you can't sit, sit down and tell me what your record's about, then, then that's a huge problem. So I think my, my advice to younger artists would be keep the focus on the music. Um, you know, don't lose sight of um, the actual art form because at the end of the day, people are always going to be more invested into that than they are, um, you know, a 30-second video of you looking really cute and singing your song in a cool way. Um, you know, the music has got to speak for itself. And, um, you know, I could I could be sounding like an absolute grandpa right now at 24 years old <laughs> saying that, but um, that's just what I believe. And, and I think that's, you know, would be true of, of most artists right now. I'm going to add to that. And, and Grayson, thank you so much for what you just said. One of the young people that I mentor, okay, and as a dear friend, I'm his gunkle is a young man by the name of Alfie Sheard. I think you know Alfie Grayson. He was discovered also by Ellen. And okay. Alfie, okay. you know, Alfie spends a lot of time busking, and he spends a lot of time writing. Uh, he released his first signal. And w- one of the things that he and I talked about was that, that right there, what you just said, okay? Because at the end of the day, the thing that attracts people the most, hands down, and I've said this to Alfie, okay, is about the song that's in your heart as an artist. You know, it's great to have the glitz and the glamour in the social media. I, 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 it's important. But you know what? Overall, the reason people are going to be your fans, the reason people are going to listen to you is exactly what you just outlined. It's Grace and the musician and Grace and the artist. It's Alfie the musician and Alfie the artist. It's not the TikTok stars. It's not that. It plays a role, but in my estimation, now don't call yourself a granddad, Grayson. I obviously am, okay? But I tell you what, <laughs> your, your advice is dead on, okay? Sorry, Rob, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just, Grayson no, no, literally I totally agree. just echoed yeah. a conversation that I had with Alfie not even a week ago because this is how critical it, this is important. You know, these young people like Grayson, like Alfie, you know, it, it's, they are the voice to come, as, as Tony Bennett would say, in the American songbook to follow, okay? You know, it's, they are the Billy Joel of their generation. They are the, you know, the, the people that are writing, you know, what was the ballads of our generation. Grayson and Alfie and these young people, they're doing it for their generation. And, and I, I, Grayson, just a big hug for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Because that's something that I'm constantly <laughs> hammering away at. Okay, sorry. Epic rant by Brody over. No, that that's <laughs> fine. I was just going to agree with the the concept. Is the the thing with TikTok that I find a little bit disturbing is it's it's uh, kind of chaotic. And yes, you see you see all these quick clips that go by, um, but they've got a tease to something with much more depth and uh, great. I think of your music videos and there, you know, there is story and there's poetry in your acting within the video that I don't think a 32nd snippet 
it would give a hint of it, but it wouldn't. It, it's robbing a full experience of of really getting into the psyche behind the song. So I, you know, yeah. I, I think I think you're dead on. Um, what? So you've got a movie coming out. You've got music coming out, which I'm sure is absolutely saturating your consciousness. But what? What? Uh, and you did talk about aspirations. What? What do you see yourself doing after that? Where? Where do you hope to go from here? Uh, you know, one of the things that I uh, talk about on this on this album actually too is is uh, taking a step back to. Um, sort of enjoy it all and to recognize it. You know, I have been uh, making music now for for 12 years and I have been able to um, keep my career going through, you know, a lot of of good moments, a lot of bad moments, everything in between. And, you know, something that I'm recognizing right now in my life is, uh, you know, it's such a blessing to do what I get to do and and to still have people here supporting it and, and wanting to pay attention. And so, you know, after this record and after this movie, um, I, I'm not sure, but I'm I'm very focused on wanting to just be more present in the moment and and to really take stock in in the fact that this is a tough a tough industry. It's a tough business to be in, and uh, I'm proud of myself for making it um, this long. And so I think I think I'm going to enjoy it a bit and actually maybe take some time off and. <laughs> and and have some fun and spend time with my friends and my family and so um that's going to be my hope but at the end of the day you will uh you will always hopefully be be hearing about me and hearing about a record coming out because I'm I'm planning on doing this for for as long as I can. Well, yeah, that absolutely has to happen. And I do love that because we talked about that the last time you were on the show. Um you have a really great support base of really solid people around you um, to keep you grounded. And I think that that's super important. Um, we're, we're getting close on time, but I did want to get your feedback on what is happening in Oklahoma and Texas and, you know, all that part of the world where you come from. Um, what are your thoughts about this new attack on, on particularly LGBTQ kids? Yeah, well, um, you know, I'm on the ground here. I'm actually calling from Oklahoma City today, so I, I have a house here and I live here. And I think what I will, what I'll tell you first is that there are protesters at the Capitol um, right now. There are people who are standing up against this and and really letting their voice be heard. And so um, I do take pride in that to know that you know there there is a lot of resistance um, to these things. I, you know, my my understanding and I think my advice to people like us, right, um, you know, where where we know what is right in this debate, it's 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 very very clear uh, where good and evil sort of lie with this. But the only way that we're going to make it through is we we have to deescalate. I think the the anger and the tension and the rage, and we have to get back to having conversations. You know, I I live in a place where you know, I know if I were to, to go out in certain parts in Oklahoma and, and try to have conversations with people about trans rights and trans issues and, and you know, queer issues in general, um, they would maybe say a few things that would rub me the wrong way. But I think what's important is to maybe take a step back and to think about 
you know, just how misinformed they've been about these things, how maybe they've, they've not had a chance to ask a question or, you know, they just haven't had a good conversation about it. So I think it's very, it's, it's um, on the responsibility of the left right now, I think, to, to not buy into to the rage and to the anger and trying to get back to the conversation, which is this is affecting kids' lives. This is not something that, you know, is just going to live and die at a state house. This is having a day-to-day effect. Like we said at the beginning of the show, this is having effects on suicide rates, on, on things that are happening to youthful individuals. So uh, my advice right now is to protest, keep your cool, and to keep on trying to have the conversation because um, that's what I see that's happening in Oklahoma right now. I think that's brilliant, and I agree with you. It's like it is a teachable moment. And I hope we we get that out there. I think this is the time to be making, you know, documentaries about the trans experience and getting people educated as to what exactly that is about. Because there are a lot of this is based on that armchair um, knee-jerk reaction to things where it's like, well, of course that person used to be a boy and of course that person's going to be stronger. And it's like, no, that's, surfacy, but if you look into the depths of the details, that isn't the case. And there are severe ramifications to a lot of these knee-jerk type things, but I think your your points are, are super, super well balanced on that. So, um, Grace, I want to circle back on anything that we should have talked about in terms of um, Maybelline prints um, that, that people should know um, at this point. Um, and and your future music. Well, I think it's going to be a very, very exciting year um, this year. And as I said, I can't say too much about the release of the movie, but there are some amazing things planned for it, and it will be happening this year. Um, so just keep, keep an eye out for that. And uh, there will also be a new album coming out this year, and we're planning to get back out on the road um, in the U.S. in the fall. So... Um, hopefully you'll be seeing a lot of my face around. <laughs> well, on that note, well, I want to throw one more pitch in for you. Uh, for our listeners out there, in 30 days from now, I want you right now to go to Grayson's Instagram. I want you to follow him. I want you to go to fundraise.org. It's for Encircled Together. It'll be a half marathon in Salt Lake City. That's 30 days from today. I want you guys to support this effort. This is Grayson's charity. They do excellent work. Go to his Instagram, go to fundraise.org, and let's give Grayson some love. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for that. And, yeah, that's going to be happening in 30 days, and uh, we're raising money for Encircle, which is uh, truly, like you said, if if you don't know them, an amazing uh, institution. And their biggest thing, too, with just what we were talking about is they offer free family therapy. Um, So not only – you know, to potentially the the queer child in the family, but they're also offering therapy to the parents, to the brother, sister, um, uncle, aunt, anyone who needs to have those tough conversations, um, which I think is, again, the only way that we get through um, through things of this nature. Well, kudos to you, and thank you for being there. Thank you for being you. <laughs> thank you for everything that you do. Um, I have to tell you, it is always, such a joy talking to you, um, and you are so well thought. And th- you think things out so well, 
and you are so articulate across the board. And it, it's just it's just an absolute pleasure. And we just send you a lot of love. We are there with you on every project um, and want to see just the best things for you. Absolutely. Um, and well, by the way, thank, thank you both so much. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Yep. And I'm looking forward to when we get to speak next. Oh, me too. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, of course, it'll probably be right when your Oscar nomination comes out. But, you know, um, <laughs> okay. And, and if that's a jinx, then I, I take it back. So um, but that's I'm, all right. I'm, that's all right. We'll still take it. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm just super excited. I think this is going to be – my gut feeling is this is going to be really, really great. So um, – and, and I absolutely cannot wait to see – you know, it, it, when it, it is available. Um, I also want to thank Brody for his work, and obviously at the top of the show, he is constantly fingers on the pulse with everything that's going on around the world. Um, and I also do want to um, publicly give a warm hug to Brody because he is friends with people on the ground in the Ukraine who are working hard there and has lost a few of them who are casualties in the war there. Um, so please put your hearts and minds out to um, those who are, are fighting and, um, you know, there, there are tough things going on across the board. Um, I want to thank you for listening and for uh, also reading the Los Angeles Blade magazine. Uh, that is online. You can find it at losangelesblade.com. It has news stories up every single day check it out and uh, Brody is the editor there and, um, and you can read articles by me on there as well so um, please do check it out and that it is one of the top magazines now in Los Angeles um, thanks to the work of Mr. Lebeck and we're very proud of that. Um, for Rated LGBT Radio we will be back again next week I actually I do have an idea what it is and it's going to be a great show so tune in um, it's another art world extravaganza show, and um, we're going to be proud to bring that to you. So uh, I want to thank everybody, and again, thank you, Grayson, for being on. We love you to pieces, man, and, um, you know, this, this is going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal year for you. I just know it. Um, and thanks well, to thank our listeners. Thank you so much. And we, <laughs> our pleasure. And we will talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio.